Western Wall Prayers, 40 Days of Prayer for You at the Kotel, is a project of Kolel Tfilat Moshe, supporting families and Torah learning in Jerusalem. In gratitude for your donation, we pray 40 days for you at the Kotel, the Western Wall. For generations, Jews in Jerusalem have traditionally made this pilgrimage to pray for marriage, healing, children, income, and many other heartfelt requests. Visit westernwallprayers.org. That's westernwallprayers.org. Shalom and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the nations. You're listening to the Noahide Nation Show here on Israel National Radio. I'm your co-host, Ray Patterson, and my partner here and fellow co-host is Adam Penrod. Adam, how you doing? Hey, Ray, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay. Actually, things are uh, moving right along. In fact, it's going to be a very interesting show today, I think. We've got a, a rather a grand topic, which is always debated as to what it is, what it isn't, who believes it, who doesn't believe it. And uh, as we were talking before we came on the air, uh, this particular topic, uh, I guess you could say, falls in between monotheism and polytheism depending on the perspective you're looking at it from. And that subject, my friends, is the Trinity. So we are going to spend the next hour talking about the Trinity and trying to dissect it and trying to understand it from the perspective of the Torah understanding and also, obviously, from the perspective of the Christian or New Testament understanding. Do you say that's a pretty safe bet? I would say so, yeah, definitely. Okay, so why don't we uh, start off by doing some quick housekeeping first, uh, because I'm sure this is going to be a topic of interest for our listeners, and I know many of them are on forums, I know a lot of them are on the forums with uh, Israel National Radio. We do want you to send in emails with questions, comments, and also participating in the forums, but our email address once again, folks, is noahide at israelnationalradio.com. So let's uh, go ahead and jump into this, Adam, and maybe you can share with the, the audience what you believe on, on the, the side of Torah, Torah's understanding of the Trinity and the Christian understanding of the Trinity, at, sure. least, at least in part. We know there's so many different uh, you know, Christian faiths. Uh, some of them are different and vary, but if we can just get a, a general idea out there to kind of help us get this thing launched. Yeah, there there are a lot of, and I'm glad you brought that up, that there are a lot of different Christians. I, I, I don't know how many times I've said, you know, Christians say this, and I get a response back from, this is not what Christianity believes. Well, of course we have to, you know, usually when, you know, when, when someone says that they're talking about traditional Christianity, they're talking about a particular variety. But it's good to sometimes point out that, uh, you know, to specify what we're talking about. So the understanding of the Trinity that I'm, I'm presenting here is the traditional Trinity, the traditional definition of the Trinity, which is three persons sharing one essence. This is the this is the definition that uh, by which all other definitions are judged or have been traditionally as to whether or not they're heretical understandings of uh, the nature of God right. from Christianity. Uh, this is a very interesting idea. It's also funny that that more and more I've seen more and more Christians move away from calling it the Trinity and referring to it as the Triunity. 
right? Right, the triune god. The triune I, god, I, I right? I've heard a lot of that myself. Right. So it's, it's, it's you know, and I think in part it's because they're trying to address – uh, it, it, what they feel is a misconception, although it, it's really probably a very natural understanding of it, and that is, is that when you say Trinity, that you know, does that sound like we're talking about one God? So like we're talking about three, right? <laughs> so, so they're trying to kind of, I think there, there's a desire to kind of try to correct that 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 concept by calling it a triunity, but I don't think it really helps because, uh, as we're probably going to see, that when you try to think about the Trinity. Any sort of logical way, you, you have a lot of problems. Well, and I, I think it needs to be said, and I probably should have prefaced this before we even you know started the show. And so I'm going to go ahead and preface it now before the rest of the the show. Is that we're not here to you know uh, to bash Christianity as it were. Uh, we have no intentions of doing that. We are here to simply provide the understanding from a Torah perspective, and both of us were in Christianity, so sure. we have a fair uh, knowledge and understanding of what it represents to the Christian side of things also. And we're just going to try to, in a, in a matter-of-fact way, explain the differences between the two, and at the same time uh, allowing for the definition of, of each to to come forth. Sure. And, you know, I, I have to tell you that even as a Christian, I, w- I went through the whole you know, messianic movement thing. I have always, always had a problem. This was my biggest problem mm. with both of those facets of, of religion was this whole idea of a trinity. It's, you know, it's, uh, in fact, I was talking to a friend of mine at the, the conference, you know, RJ. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about it, and we were thinking, you know, how does one plus one plus one equal one? Right. It, you know, and it's, it's, so, it's so simple, it almost makes your head hurt in its yeah, simplicity. It's, it's so simple, you, you feel stupid <laughs> for, you know, wondering about it. Yeah. Right. So anyway, let's, let's go ahead and carry on. But I wanted to, you know, make that point clear because we're not here to upset anyone, but rather to enlighten, if at all possible. And certainly, if you have any challenges to what we say, uh, you know, comments, uh, anything at all, that's why we give out the email so people right. can write into us. Exactly. Well, you know, and uh, just to pick up on that just a little bit um the the fact of the matter is is that why are we even talking about the trinity well we're talking about the trinity because uh this show is called noahide nations and uh our focus is the noahide laws so one of those laws is the prohibition against idolatry so in in our from our our standpoint it's very important to to you know both you and i ray that that we get the, the word out on how how people can keep this command, how they can we'll, we'll say keep from violating this command, right? right. Not to well, commit idolatry, and, right? And you said it right both times exactly. because uh, even though the law states not to commit idolatry, yeah, what do you do not to do that? But the other side of that coin is is what do you do to do it properly? And right. that is worship one true Creator. And exactly. what does that mean? It's not a matter of not just. Uh, 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 not committing idolatry, it is worshiping the true God. And you know, and and, and how do we come to this conclusion? What does it what does it mean to worship the true God? Who's the true God? Well, of course, we get our information from the best source ever, and that's the Torah. And we have a Torah perspective that we always try to encourage, just not only for ourselves but for our listeners. Um, and so, this kind of brings us to to the question of the nature of God. Um, you know, I, there was an analogy that 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 Rabbi Singer uses in his uh in his uh, uh series of uh, of, of lessons. Outre- the outreach judaism, the outreach okay. judaism. Right, yeah right. He, one thing that i always enjoyed it was, it was the best example i think that you can use for anything and that is is that how do you tell 
the difference between a real dollar bill and a counterfeit dollar bill. The way you, you tell the difference is, is you is you learn everything you can about what what makes a real dollar bill a real dollar bill, and you learn absolutely everything you can. And when you know what what makes what it takes to have a real dollar bill, you'll there'll never be a question when you come across a counterfeit dollar bill. You'll know right away right. what the problem is. And that's what we're trying to teach everybody. We're trying to teach everybody what what is a real dollar bill. So from the Torah's perspective, the real dollar bill here here the nature of God is that God is absolutely one. Not just one, as in uh, we we're saying we we only worship one God, but one also internally in a sense that God is there. Is, there are no parts to God. There, God has no attributes um, in in the sense that uh, you and I might have our will and our life and 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 uh, well, we have all of that, justice. but we are still just one person. It's all we're still internal. It's internal, but for us, it's separate. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. For God, it's not. It's all when you talk about you know you know God having attributes, you can't really talk about that. No. In fact, I've always looked at it from the perspective of this is how we can explain in in human terms, so that the human mind can can comprehend and understand that. These are the types of words that are necessary in order to do that, such as the word attribute. And, you know, examples of that would be uh, Elohim, for example, right. means the judge. Uh, right. Hashem means mercy. It actually, you know, de- it, by definition, it means the name, but in uh, Torah understanding, it represents the attribute, if you will, of mercy. Uh, El Shaddai, God of, uh, of plenty, the, the sufficient one. And it's the only way that a human mind can, can fathom and comprehend it. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, think, I think where people miss the boat is that they, is that they don't realize that we're, we're using these, the term attribute sort of loosely. We're using it to, as an expression that helps us kind of deal with certain activities of God. Mm-hmm. But we don't in any way ascribe that God actually has attributes. You know, right. the, the, the best thing I ever heard was that the, the Rambam has this notion of what's called negative attributes, where we say that, for example, instead of saying God is perfect, we say, you know, God, you know, there, there are no deficiencies to God, right? Right. He, he, um, instead of saying that, um, you, you know, you know, God is good. We say God, there's, there, God is not evil. You know, we or, or God is not not good. You know, right? Uh, a little George Brockism, if you will, not not. You know, not not uh, <laughs> yeah. intellectualism. Um, but um, it, it's very important because you know when you when you start you know you know defining God, you run into a lot of problems, and and you start um, sort of categorizing God. And what you've done is you've created God in some weird image that's not doesn't really represent Him. Back to this whole notion that we're talking about here about the Trinity and about uh, God's unity. You know, the, the best thing is is that the number one uh, thing that, that a, a Jew is obligated to say twice a day, usually does it about three or four times a day, um, and a Noahide ought to be saying regularly themselves is the Shema. Shema Yisrael, right. um, um, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Right. Hashem Echad, Echad, meaning echad. one. But Rashi says... Rashi takes this whole thing of, of one. He says uniquely one, uniquely one. There's this notion here that you know when when, we, when this term is used, it means uniquely one in reference to God because God's unity is unlike any unity. Every unity that you have is actually a unity of parts. If you have, for example, a, a dinette set, you actually have a, you know you have one set, but it has. A, you know, table and, and, and chairs and, you know, right, whatever. Right. You know, if you have one bunch of grapes, you've got grapes. You've got, you've got several individual grapes on one bunch. If you have one human being, you have 
from a body standpoint, you have different limbs. You have two arms and two legs and eyes and yada, yada, yada. Internally, you have organs. Right. So when we talk about God, that's not what we mean. What we, 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 we mean is that there's, God has what's called a simple unity, right? God's, God's unity is simple. Mm-hmm. That means there's nothing. He's one, absolutely through and through. And there is no division within him. So this is the Torah perspective. This is the Torah's understanding of God's nature. <clears throat> the Trinity comes along and says, well, you know, we believe that, you know, God is one, um, but we believe he has three persons. So three persons, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, sharing the same essence. And this is this is the nature of God. And this is where they've always lost me, is because we're back to the <laughs> one plus one plus one thing. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, honestly... Um, you know, if you think it's it's confusing, you know, here, then you know, just wait till you read it in the in the, uh, in the New Testament because you're sitting there going, "Geez, this doesn't sound like." I mean, you know, this Jesus got a guy. You know, he's doing some cool stuff. He's walking on water and he's you know uh, taking fish and bread and, and, and making it plentiful. But you know, he he says things that make you go, "How did how where did you ever get the idea he was God?" You know. Well, and the other interesting <laughs> thing is the word Trinity. Right, uh, and even the concept of the, the Trinity does not exist in the the New Testament. Right, it, it's it's an interpretation that has been passed down for gosh, I don't know how many years, hundreds of years. I mean, it's been around for a couple thousand years. It's 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 been a a misinterpretation of who God really is and right. who d- Jesus really was. It, it's really a, a wedding of um, of. Uh, you know, Hebrew thought with Greek thought, and, and that's and that's that's what makes it so difficult. You know, you have the you have the you have the, the Torah aspect, which is God. There's only one God, but that's wedded with the Greek concept of there are lots of gods. You know, and it's kind of they're kind of slammed <laughs> together there, and uh, and, and you're, you're try, trying to take two different uh, viewpoints. You're trying to make force them to work together, right? And they don't work. You know, one you know it's, it's like a you know, car parts, you know, that you're trying to, you know, you, you've got an American-made car, but you're trying to use parts from Japan. It doesn't work. Right. So th- there are even, you know, there are even problems with, I mean, I guess, I don't know, maybe we should get into some, what are some of the, the, the problems Let's here? do it. Go ahead. So aside from the Torah perspective, I think we could actually say that there's even the, what, what hits most people, I think, square in, in between the eyes is the fact that, you know, like you've said over and over, that, that it just doesn't seem to make sense. You can't quite get it to work very well. And uh, I would say that there, that there are a lot of different problems. I, I would say one problem, for example, is the notion that Jesus died okay, on the cross. Now, right. this is now you you, you know you, you might say, well, what's the problem with that? You know, and this is actually a core teaching of Christianity. Jesus died on the cross for it our sins. It is the core teaching. It, it, it's, it's funny it's when right. you see like football games or like the Stanley Cup is going on. You see all these <laughs> big events, and you always see somebody standing there in the crowd. John three sixteen. Right. It's it's it is the core of the teaching. Absolutely, it's it's the core of the teaching that, that Jesus came, died for our sins, and then was resurrected. And you know, the problem is though, is that. If you're going to tell me that Jesus is God and he's 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 identical to God, well, how can God die, right? Right. This is this is a problem because you know I don't think Christians you know would 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 debate with this. We have our existence from God. If God died, how would we continue to exist? Well, we we as humans couldn't continue to exist, but it wouldn't even be just that. It would be the entire the entire. Uh, of, uh, I don't even want to just say universe, but the whole of creation right. would cease to exist. If God were to literally die, the energy which allows creation to continue on minute by minute, second by second, 
millennium beyond millennium would cease. It would just stop right sure. there. It would be over. Sure. So you, I mean, so this is a huge problem. And, and you know, you know, look here. You know, here's an an, an illustration to 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 try to explain what what's basically what we're basically being told, and that is is that. We have the, the, the three persons of the Trinity sharing one essence. What is this like? This is like three people who own a table, right? Right. You, me, and some guy named Joe, right? We all own one table. Or maybe we're, we're like uh, uh, roommates, right? So we've all bought one table and we have one table. If someone comes along and smashes my table, right? If they smash my table, Adam's table has been destroyed. Well, guess what? Ray's table has also been destroyed, John's table has also been destroyed. None of us have a table. Right. Right? So it's the same thing. If Jesus dies, and these, they're all selling, you know, and this is assuming that life or living is part of the essence of God, mm-hmm. part of the essence that they're sharing. Right. So if Jesus dies, then the Father dies, right. then the Holy Spirit dies, because right. the t- the, that one table has been destroyed. Right. You know, we no longer have a table. So. This causes a problem. Well, that can't be it, right? So what are we forced to do? We're forced to maybe look at this a little bit differently. Maybe what it is is we're roommates, but all three of us have our own table. And so if my table is destroyed, well, then, you know, Ray and John still have their own individual tables, right? You know, I'm the only, you know, sad little guy in the corner with no table to, 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 to put my stuff on. So that works better, but that kind, of, but in a way that, that, that gets away from what you're trying to say with the Trinity, because right. you, you can't say then that you're now representing God in, in the literal sense of being three individuals, entities. Exactly. exactly. Cause now you're saying Jesus has a life, right. the father has a life and right. the Holy spirit have a life exactly. and Jesus can lose his life and be resurrected and it not affect the other two. But the only way that's going to happen is if they don't share an essence, they don't share the same essence. Right. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a huge problem. The other thing Another example is that uh, can uh, can you even have uh, uh, the same will, right? Mm. What if you don't have the same will? Shouldn't God have one will? If God is one, then he should have one will, correct? Right. You know, he should say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Um, but, you know, we see situations where Jesus, Jesus asks that his will be made the same as God's will. Right. Well, wait a second. If Jesus is identical with God, then shouldn't the will of God be the same for him as it is for God himself. I mean, I mean, again, we're back to our table situation, right? Because if you're going to say Jesus has a different will from God's will, then what you're saying is, is that the son has a will, the father has a will and the Holy spirit have a will. Right. And that this will is no longer part of God's essence. Right. Right. So again, we keep running into these problems where on the one hand, we're told three persons, one essence, but then there are certain logical problems. But by what the by what the New Testament says happens, not by what we say happens. But you right. look at the New Testament and you say this happens, this happens, this happens. You go, wait a second, how does that work in the context of the Trinity? This is one of the reasons that you know you have so many different tri- attempts to understand the Trinity. You know, even to the to the point where you know there are certain uh, versions of Christianity that say that. Uh, you know, Jesus was actually just adopted by God. He's not literally God. Um, versions that say, you know, he's his son, but he's not the father. It's, it's well, a separate thing. And, and the problem that I've always found with these types of interpretations is, is I've always found them to be excuses rather than reasons. And by that, I mean excuses 
because they can't answer the straightforward question. Well, the, the and, fact that they're worse than excuses because the church has declared them as heresies. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it's it's uh, uh, always this one facet of the Christian religion has always it's never satisfied me and in fact uh when i've done uh, interviews with other noahides when we've done them uh when jim and i did them even when we just talked to them you know outside of uh, the station uh, this was one of the biggest problems for most people was understanding the trinity and even when you ask your pastor they they kind of go through a, a basic understanding and then when, as soon as you tell them or begin to question, if you tell them that, you know, that doesn't make sense, uh, uh, can, you, can you explain more about this? They always go back to the fallback position, which is, well, you just have to have faith. Right. Which, okay, well, that's all well and good, but faith must have an, an end. The, you, what are you having faith in? Are you having faith in what he's telling you? Are you having faith in your belief of what he's telling you? You can't ever do that. And we always recommend, and we'll do it again right now, is you must do the homework yourself. And that's the most important thing that you're saying there, because the Torah never asks us to believe in abstract concepts, which it doesn't explain. The, the Torah is always telling us to do certain things, and it always um, explains what those things are in the clearest possible language. So when, God, when it says, you shall have no other gods before me, it explains what it means by God being one. Right. And um, so, so you know, so it's not as if there's any sort of like, you know, mystery here in how, uh, we're, in, in how you're going to uh, approach the Trinity um, or, or how, how the Torah views it. It's very clear because God says, I don't want you worshiping other gods. You know, I want you to recognize that I am, you know, I'm one. I'm absolutely one. That, you know, God is not a man that he should lie. You know, Numbers 23, 19. Um, uh, also in Hosea. Uh, um, and uh, God, God, God never leaves us guessing. When it comes to what we need to do to be right with God, right? We'll put right in, in quotation marks. To be right with God, God is always clear. This is the nature of the Torah as a revelation out of all the out of all the revelations, all the, all the books of the prophets that we have, the Torah is the clearest. It yeah, is the it, clearest. it is. And yet, uh, I remember, you know, in Christianity, they uh, it was always difficult to understand it. Yeah, and they would always tell me, "Well, don't really try. Focus more on." The New Testament, because that is for today. That is the, what you're talking about. The Old Testament is, is for was for then. It was for another time. It was for another people. Sure. So you know, if you don't study it, if you don't actively pursue it, well, guess what, folks? <laughs> you're not going to get any of it. So, so I mean, if you're if you're sincere and you want to pursue the knowledge of God and you want to be someone who really is serving God, what you need to do is you need to bring you need to Break out your Torah and you need to start studying it. And that's a great place to stop, Adam. Uh, we'll carry on after the break, but we need to take the uh, the bottom of the hour break because it's a hard break. Folks, stick with us. we got a lot more to come. See you on the other side. See ya. Now you can travel to and from Israel like a VIP passenger. Introducing the Ultimate Airport Experience by Menashe Sofer's Airport Service. The VIP Meet and Assist Shuttle guarantees a completely stress-free traveling experience 
It's like traveling business class. You need Menasha Sofer online at msoferairport.com. Tell them you heard it on Israel National Radio. msoferairport.com. If you love Israel and you're coming to the Holy Land, you need Israel's best tour guide. See Israel like you've never seen it before. Mayor Eisenman will take you around the country for an educational and fun experience. Each tourist gets a personally designed tour based on his preferences. The land of the Bible, the land of the Tanakh, comes alive in the hands of an energetic and experienced tour guide. Visit IsraelByMayor.com. That's IsraelByMayor, M-E-I-R, or email him directly at IsraelByMayor at gmail.com. Well, we're back, folks. We appreciate you sticking around. Join Adam and I for the second half of our show. And as you know, if you were with us during the first half, we're discussing the Trinity, what it means, what it doesn't mean, what uh, Torah's understanding is. And when we last left you, uh, we were talking about doing the homework. What what kind of resources are there beyond, for example, the, the five books of Moshe? Of course, we can always look at the Tanakh as a whole, sure. which is everything except this New Testament, which was added to the Hebrew Bible much later on in, in time. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, and even I should point this out, and that is, is that, you know, the, the, the main problem that, that Torah has with Christianity, one of the core problems is, is that they believe in a man as God. They worship a man as God. And if you if you get away from that, and you, and you want to believe he's he's Messiah or whatever else, you know, in a sense, that's fine. You're no longer committing idolatry. And if you're not doing that, then great. You have come, you know, a thousand miles. You have progressed a thousand miles. And so I, I'm saying that, you know, you know, understand that we're right now we're just sort of working on this one point about the Trinity. If you then give it up, in some ways you could still, I guess, in a sense, be a Christian. Because there are a lot of Christians who are doing this more and more. They're breaking away from the Trinity. Now, of course, we want you to see you come all the way. We want to see you come all the way in, into this because the Torah has a lot a lot to say about who the Messiah is and what he is and all that. Right, but we also understand, and you must understand also, this does not happen overnight. Right. You may get the revelation all of a sudden one day that, oh my gosh, this Jesus personage is not God. He is not deity. That revelation may come to you seemingly in an overnight fashion, but the journey is exactly what the word's definition means. A journey is a journey. Uh, normally, you would think there's a, de- a destination at the end of the journey, but in the case of the study of Torah, it is a lifelong journey. And there is no destination. All you can do is continue to learn about your Creator. What do I say the destination is, is you're getting closer to God, but it's like there's, there's, there's so much distance you know, from, from here to there that, that there's, you'll never run out of things to learn. You'll never run out of the level of closeness you can attain. Right. Even if you were to, to become to the level of Moses, which, you know, uh, you know don't hold your breath on that. Yeah. But even if you were, <laughs> even if you were to, to come to that level, there's still so much more uh, to go. There's so much more to learn, so much more to do. Uh, there's so much more closeness to get to God. Well, and they talk about the, the world to come. Right. And the sages teach that there's ten levels in the world to come. Mm-hmm. And that Moshe, as much as he knew, as close as he was to Hashem, they say that he was only at the seventh level. Yeah. So, 
you know, the closeness to Hashem is always important, but the only way you get there, folks, is by by studying who He is. Right, and if you have a false understanding of who He is, then you're always going to be, there's always going to be a separation between you and Hashem. If you really want to draw as close to God as possible, this is why we're having this conversation. We're not having this conversation because we dislike Christians. We're not having this conversation because we want to pick on Christians. We're having this conversation because, you know what, we're really care about you. In fact, I was just going to say, it's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. We love Hashem's creation. We love more so that people are exposed and have the opportunity to see and discover the truth for themselves. Not because somebody at some some podium is telling me what to believe. You right. need to get into it yourself. When it says have a personal relationship with Hashem, that's what it means. You need to do the studying yourself. You need to figure it out yourself. We can only show you the doorknob to open the door, but you have to open the door yourself. And we you, cannot do that. And you've got to walk through the door as well. Right. You know, you, so, Adam, what, what would you think some of the good source material would be to, to gain you know, a little bit better understanding? I mean, I know there's books out there, and for the life of me, I can't remember uh, titles uh, on these right now, but you can do searches on the Internet, and there is a whole list of religions that Christianity is actually based on. In fact, they say uh, Christianity is based on Mithraism, and Mithraism was based on something else, and there's a whole list of actual man-gods who were all born of a virgin, who all died for the salvation of mankind, and when you come to the realization, after you're looking at all of these you know, different alleged gods, you realize that you know Jesus was just another one in a in a list of man well, gods. And this is this is why this is why I said earlier that what you have with the Trinity and what you have with a lot of Christianity Christian theology, we'll call it, because this is really the problem. The biggest problem Christians have is Christian theology. You know, even <laughs> you can you can actually read the New Testament to a certain degree. I think there's still some problems. But you can so you can read it to a certain degree, and you can actually come to a you can be, become much closer to being in line with with a, a Torah worldview. The problem comes in with, with largely with Christian theology, and Christian theology is basically this: it's that we've got a an American car that we're trying to fix with Japanese parts, right? It doesn't quite work. It's, it's taking the Torah thought, the Torah world perspective, and trying to force Greek philosophy or Greek thinking into it. And this is what kind of you know gets you you messed up. So here's the first thing you need to do before you even start reading book. You need to realize something. You need to realize that probably if you've, especially if you've been um, learning uh, Christianity for a while now, your mind is filled with Christian theology. You mm-hmm. you will read everything you come across from the, that, the that Christian perspective. perspective. Exactly. And that sometimes, you know, and that really interferes with your ability to understand what, what, when you read something. I don't know how many Christians I, I've talked to who are incapable of reading text. And what I mean by this is that you have a text has a very plain and simple meaning, and yet their mind cannot grasp the simple meaning of the text because they interpret it automatically theologically. So you have to basically condition yourselves, convince yourself of a, a, God, dare I say this, an out-of-body experience (laughs) where you literally remove yourself from you because you almost have to in order to really take this journey with a balanced playing field for the exercise. Because if you don't have that, you are going to come away from this the same person all the time. But if you go into it with a heart for learning the truth, 
regardless of what the truth is, and you have that sincerely embedded in your heart and in your mind, you will come to the truth. It'll happen. Yes, you're almost demanding that Hashem give that truth to you, but in order for Him to do that, you have to clear the pathway for that to happen. And that means remove yourself, at least to the point of saying, I don't care where the truth is. At this point in my life, I do not believe in Christianity. I do not believe in Judaism. I do not believe in Torah. I'm starting from square one, wherever the truth lands, there we are. You know, I had a college professor who said, he said, there's this, this, this myth that you can be unbiased, that there are, within the reporting industry, a reporter can actually be completely objective and unbiased. And he said, and this is a myth. By our very nature, human beings are biased. We have a certain way we look at things. We have a certain way of understanding things, and we put everything through that filter. He said, so the secret is not trying to become Mr. Spock. You know, you're not trying to become, you know, completely, <laughs> you know, you know, fool yourself into believing you're completely objective. Uh, right. Right? Because we see how well that works out for Spock. He's always getting into trouble because he thinks he's being objective, but really, no, he's just using his uh, incredible mental powers to fool himself. Right. So, you know, this is what you don't want to do. What you want to do is you want to recognize, first off, that you have biases, if you can recognize that you have a bias towards a certain perspective, that's a huge accomplishment because what you've done now is you have, you've recognized that you have sort of a preconceived way of approaching things. So once you have that and then you start studying, what you need to do is you need to go, okay, my bias is to understand this in this way. Is this what the text is actually saying? Read it over and over until you can actually get a grasp of what it's actually saying. If, you, if you're not sure, leave it alone and move on. Because what will happen is, is sometimes you think about it too much, you just burn out your head. Sometimes right. you have to kind of move on and just kind of let things sort of naturally you know, process in your head. Recognize that you have a bias towards a certain position. If you can do that, then, then you, you've come a long way. Well, and at the same time, don't be afraid to ask for help. It's easy for me to sit here and and highly recommend uh, Rabbi Tobia Singer's Outreach Judaism CDs and and tapes and uh, the things that he offers because it's a tremendous guide. But, you know, many people say, oh, well, that's from the Jewish perspective then. Well, guess what? Ask, you know, find out what he has to say about it and then go, go to your pastor. And right. find out what he has to say about the exact same thing, and then you decide. Don't be influenced. Just gather the information. Gather the information. It's so it's so important that you do this. It's so important that you know. You, and you really do want the, the Jewish perspective. I mean, because you are you are kind of struggling with this. I mean, you and I, the, you and I can say that, Adam. <laughs> but we can't ask people who don't think like we do. Sure, we can't of ask them just because we say so. You have to look at it from that perspective. No, I'm saying challenge themselves to get both. I I agree 100. percent all I'm saying is, is that is that if if you've got both, because right now for for years of your life you've only had one perspective. You've only had one perspective you've been looking at it from. But you know what? There's an even older tradition of the way to understand the Bible. There is the original people who received the Torah, and even if you may not agree with them, you know at least you should hear what they have to say. At right. least you should go and say, well, what do they say about this verse? You know, what is the Jewish opinion of, of the meaning of Psalm 110? Right? What is the, the Jewish opinion of Isaiah 53? And, and you'll understand that. But, you know, I'm also not trying to... And, and I want you to, to a certain extent, learning polemics is also not good if that's all you're focusing on. You need to really just start reading the Torah or the Tanakh, the, the five books of Moses, the prophets, and the writings. You need to read those just to try to understand what they're saying. This is the secret behind reading any book. If you read any book, then you're, the way you ought to be reading is, what is the author trying to say? 
Just start reading. Just start reading all those and start trying to understand what what the author is trying to say. And it does help if the text does come with some commentary. Absolutely. Because our understanding is only going to get, get us to a certain level. And right. then by having some help from the commentators, it really gives us you know what, what I call outside-the-box thinking, at least our box at that moment in time. You know, if you go into the forums, I've actually got a book list of uh, books that you can get and where you can get them at. What's that? that uh, how do they get there? How do they find uh, that? If you go to Israel National News and you'll look in the top bar, they have a button for forums. Click on the forums and that'll take you there. I think there are four basic forums. Our forum is the last one. It's called Spirituality for the Nations. Click on that link and that'll take you into the, into the uh, Noahide forum. And there I have um, a book list. And you can actually get that book list, and you can start going through and reading and learning. And most of the book list, and the book list is always sort of changing, evolving. I'm adding stuff to it because I want people to, um, you know, I want to be able to hit those people who are basic. They don't know anything about Judaism. I want to give them good good resources that they can go to, uh, that they can start building up an understanding of, 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 of Judaism, of a Torah perspective. And then even, you know, I'm working on also developing the book list so it can also help those people who are at, more an intermediate level, and those who are, you know, eventually I'd like to get it to where it, it, it gives resources for those who are even at more of an advanced level. Well, do you recall uh, any of the t- books at the at the basic level? Because we're really hoping sure, that absolutely. you know folks that are listening today that you know that that's where you start, and just forget about the word basic and advanced and intermediate. Sure, these are just you need to get something that you're going to be capable of understanding at this time, and your knowledge and wisdom is in- inevitably going to improve. One, one of the best resources is the the, the stone Chumash, okay. uh, the art scroll Chumash. Right. Um, that's one of the best things. It's got a nice little commentary. I also like the Hertz Torah and Pentateuch. It's by uh, Rabbi Hertz, right. who's the former chief rabbi of uh, England. And it's very nice for a modern audience. It's very much geared towards more of a modern audience. Right. Um, well, I like the Humash also. And it's, right. it's the Stone Edition Humash. Uh, comes with uh, much more depth in, in terms of the commentary. The Tanakh is excellent because it covers the entire Hebrew Bible, but the commentary tends to be limited. Right. Um, so, and we carry both in the Noahide Nation store. You can do Google searches. Uh, we carry the Hertz uh, uh, Pentateuch in, in the store. So, there's a number of places that you can get this. And, Absolutely. you know, I, I mean, you've been reading the Christian Bible for who knows how long. Right. It's now time to grab a hold of what is probably the best translation of the Hebrew text that you would see on a Torah scroll. And I've had many rabbis, one of the first things when I ask them which Bible they'd recommend, Stone Edition. That's the one that comes out first. Hertz is an excellent one as well, but I think a lot of it has to do also not just with the translation and the preciseness of the translation, but also the commentary, and in particular with the Humash, which, folks, the Humash, when, we, when I use that word, it means five books. It's the five right. books of Moshe. Right. It's the five books, uh, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Um, that's, that's a great uh, re- first uh, book to get into, start reading it. Now, for, for more like uh, a, a Trinity-centered questions or Christianity-centered questions, I would definitely take a look at Outreach Judaism. You know, get the, you, the, you know actually Rabbi Singer has um, free downloads of his lectures available, or you can even buy it. You know, you can, you can uh, support the rabbi and uh, buy some of those. Um, he also has a number of uh, debates that he's been in that he actually uh, sells there. Those are very helpful as well because right. you actually have 
sometimes and I, you know a problem with a debate between two people that that you usually see is is that really sometimes it's just who's the most charismatic is usually right. what determines who wins right <laughs> and Tovia is definitely that I mean. <laughs> but you know there are, there are Christians who are very charismatic oh, as well yeah. but you know so you don't want to you don't want to make a decision based on a debate but right. the nice thing about a debate is it less at least lets you know what are the big issues what are the, what are the areas of contention and that you can then go and like uh, Ray suggested earlier kind of figure it out for yourself you you can say oh this is the Jewish position this is the Christian position you can kind of work through it uh, you know, this is truly a thinking man's game it's not a game of follow the leader right i mean you have to do this on your own if you ever expect to have that personal relationship with god well, let me ask you a question ray if if you wanted to go out and lose uh, 50 pounds how would you do that uh, first thing I would do is go to somebody who could give me an idea of how to go about losing 50 <laughs> pounds, which, uh, oddly enough, I have done that. Uh, my wife and I have been to a nutritionist, mm-hmm. and uh, we also you know, talk with our family doctor. And so I started doing the cooking. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the wife's working, she's working a lot of hours, and you know Baruch Hashem that uh, she she still has her job. Uh, but because I've kind of taken over the role of cooking, I I force us to eat very good food for us. Right. And as a result of that, just that single thing, quite I myself have lost right at twenty pounds. Great. In Wonderful. a matter of uh, I'm going to say a month and a half to two months. But I have no experience in this. But, if I, but one thing that I find interesting that you said is that you you have you and your wife have changed your eating habits. You've, you're eating healthier food. Right. So really, what you're saying is, is that it's not the case that John next door could start eating healthier, and you would have the effect of it. Right. Right. right? Exactly. You have to do right. it yourself, right? You have to you have to go exercise. You have to do that. I mean, if if you want to see results, anything you want in life, anytime you want anything in life for yourself, right? You've got to do it yourself. Right now, if somebody knows a different path to shedding weight, that uh, maybe you can lose some weight for me, then by all means, uh... <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So you, so yeah, you have to do do the work here. And I'm not. We're not trying to overwhelm anyone. I know some to a certain extent you want to. Oh, this sounds so overwhelming. We're just trying to give you an idea of what it's going to take. If you really want, if you're very sincere, and I know a lot of very sincere Christians out there, and I know a lot of Christians who, you know, I just am. I, I just find them very wonderful, very impressive people. But if you, but if you really want to take your relationship with Hashem to the next level, if you want to have that absolute best relationship, you've got to do the work. Well, you know, it's so funny you mentioned that because I was just sitting here thinking, uh, and I've said this, I mean, numerous times that uh, you know, Christians and Noahides, we agree on more than we disagree on. Mm-hmm. We truly do. Of course, there's others who would take me to task for making that statement. But you know what? I don't care because I only deal in truth. Mm-hmm. And we do agree on, on much more than we disagree on. The main factor that we disagree on is who is God. Right. And, and the Trinity is part of that disagreement. You know, what is the Trinity? What does it represent? And in Judaism, what is you know, their idea of Hashem? And I would say for all of the, the folks out there who, who are Christians, you know, I uh, extend a challenge to you to, to challenge yourself. Give Judaism an opportunity to demonstrate its belief to you and why they believe that. In, in order to make an intelligent decision, you have to have both sides. That's right. why when you go into a courtroom, the judge hears both sides, right. not just one side, because then, of course, he would be unduly influenced. Right. You have to give both sides the opportunity. And that's all we're asking. Whatever you come out with at, at the end of that is what you have. And your journey continues on, regardless of where you fall. 
Yeah, you know, and so this whole thing, again, getting back to, to resources, I would say another good resource that is uh, there's actually a discussion group called uh, messiahtruth.yuku.com. Right. And they, you know, you can go there into that forum and they focus very heavily on, on uh, doing what's called counter-missionary. So their, their purpose is really, they, they tend to tell you this is the problem with this sort of Christian belief and that sort of Christian belief. But it's really good because it does give you sort of, it does sort of let you know these are the problems. It's, it's a really great resource for knowing what the problems are. Well, I think, too, uh, folks need to also realize, and I knew, I knew this once I came out, that one of my main focuses was that you know, Jesus was the Messiah, and if I don't believe in him, I lose my salvation. Uh, well, number one, that couldn't be further from the truth. Right. But many of the books, resources that can be used are books that are written about who the Messiah really is. But in order to really get there, you need to get a book written by a rabbi. For example, uh, the late Rabbi Aryeh Kaplan of Blessed Memory uh, mm-hmm. wrote, wrote a book on uh, who is the real Messiah. Right. And it's an excellent book. It's hard-hitting at points, but, man, it wakes you up. I mean, it literally uses uh, uses this verse right out, right out of the New Testament. Yeah. And, and so it's inescapable. You have to face potentially your greatest fears. Right. And that's the fact that maybe the the Torah is right when it tells me that we have inherited lies, the lies of our fathers. That's okay. You were raised that way, but you can change. Right. Uh, so that's a good book. And there's many books that are on the Mashiach, but you have to get them from the Jewish perspective so you can see what the definition, who is the real Messiah to the Jewish people, not who the Messiah is to the Christian people. Right. Get Messi- both sides. Once Messi- again. Messiah Truth has a number of great articles on that. Average Judaism, Jews for Judaism, another good good resource. And in fact, if you go to Jews for Judaism, they actually have a a reading list there. They actually have a suggested reading list and books you can get from them. So, you know, there are plenty of resources available. And, you know, if you ever want to, you can contact Ray or I. If you have a question, you know, you can email us here. And again, that email is noahide at israelnationalradio.com. And Adam, it looks like we're bumping real hard up against the end of the show. Oh, no. So, yeah, we're going to have to bring this one to a close. And we thank all of you for being with us because it's, it's you that makes this show happen. If it weren't for you, this show wouldn't be here. Adam and I, there'd be no reason for us to uh, be doing what we're doing. Right. So this is all about you folks and anything we can do to, uh, to help you along. Please don't hesitate. Don't be shy you just got to ask and we won't bite that's right (laughs) unless unless you bite first and then we might bite (laughs) i don't know well we hope that you'll be with us uh, next week Uh, we've got some fabulous shows coming up and before we leave earlier in this segment we challenged everyone to read the text and understand it well i want to throw this challenge out and give everyone out there an opportunity to test what Adam and I are talking about, especially for those who are still reading and believing in the New Testament. Please read John 3.16. Read it a dozen times, or at least until you have it ingrained in your brain. Then I challenge you to read Exodus 4.22 and 23, and then read Hosea 11.1, and find out for yourself who God says is his son. 
In the meantime, always tune into Israel National Radio to get your information on Torah, because there's plenty of it here. You don't need to go anywhere else. And we're, again, Noahide Nations. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, always look to the heavens for your help from Hashem, because, my friends, I guarantee you, I'll bet you a buffalo head nickel that he's looking out for you. See you next week. Shalom Yitzia. Camp Moshevav Wild Rose is excited to announce the opening of our new Aquapark Adventure Playground. Featuring a giant water slide, trampoline, and much more. A great tradition of fun and friendship for over 70 years in a great religious Zionist program. We offer a $1,000 new camper incentive. Space is still available for campers in grades 3 to 10. Call us at 847-674-9733 or visit moshevavwildrose.org. MikvahCalendar.com is your rabbinically approved personal guide to Torah to Mishpacha observance. Times and dates are automatically calculated and explained in English and Hebrew. Anywhere you are, sunrise and sunset are automatically adjusted. Receive email or text messages for important dates and times. May divine blessings of spiritual and material well-being continue to rain down and permeate your marriage and your home. Visit www.mikvahcalendar.com. That's M-I-K-V-A-H-C-A-L-E-N-D-A-R.com.